Under the leadership of that hardy woodsman, Daniel Boone, a large party set out for the new land, Kentucky. Girls tend to be pretty like me. I'm Colonel Harold Sanders, and I'd like to tell you a little bit about my Kentucky Fried Chicken. Have I told you you people are crazy? This is Old Kentucky Tales, the only podcast that solemnly swears that we have never been on the receiving end of a lightning rod smackdown. Today's title is Lincoln and the Lightning Rod. I am your host, Brent Taylor. To my left is, ironically enough, the show's right-hand man, Jason Donner. A complimentary intro that time. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Sometimes they're a little edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Just poke the bear the right at the beginning of the episode. Puts words in his sentences, Jason Donner. <laughs> Man, that was going to be uh, what I used for episode eight. Now I got to write a whole new one. Uh, the person that still understands English, Jason Donner. <laughs> in this episode of Old Kentucky Tales, our main event will examine a moment in young Lincoln's rise to fame. And in our bonus material, we will find some. Government driving tips that tell you that common sense isn't necessarily that common. And along the way, don't forget to support the fake history sponsors who support Old Kentucky Tales. The products are real, only the sponsorship is fake. Is it me or Jack Winter? It's you, princess, when you have the Jack Winter look. But whoa, take a minute to learn about the subject of stretch. Because once you put yourself in Jack Winter's stretch pants, you are going to get the eye test. Be darn sure you can pass. Questions. Should you wear stretch pants? What kind of figure does it take? Most all figures are flattered by stretch, whether angular, triangular, or figure eight. Even if you have an hourglass figure where all the sand is sunk to the bottom, stretch pants can do quick subtracting. You won't need a grease job to slip in, but there's no sag, bag, or bind either. Jack Winter cuts them just right, lean and ladylike. So you and Jack Winter are getting all those straight-on, slant-eyed, turn-about-face looks. You and Jack Winter causing that stir. Uh, this is real, right? That's a, that's an honest to goodness advertisement. Okay, I couldn't have possibly made all that. You are finding <laughs> that one's just packed with things to talk about. Well, what's really funny is we were talking off Ooh. mic earlier about we the seventies and uh, oh, objectification yeah. and so forth. Yeah, all what right. was it? The Hour, hourglass, hourglass shape where the sand, the sand has sunk to the, the sand bottom. Has sunk to the bottom. Did it say everybody looks better with some stretch? Every figure is benefited by stretch. By stretch. I've got to take exception to that (laughs) one. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of unfortunateness in that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Acoustic going, too. That was you, right? Had to be you. That wasn't me. That That wasn't you. No, no, that wasn't me. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, you're finding them. See, normally I see that. I see the ad, and I'm hearing them like, man, this is too good to be true. Yeah, it's, this is it's really, really. I mean, it's awful. Locked into its time period, like you better get these, and no one's gonna like you ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's really funny. Sometimes the the people get on a roll with with certain things from from you mean back ads? then. Yeah, yeah, and they just it's like they're oh, digging a sentence. hole, and they right. keep digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> those uh, those ads are really is that verbose. the seventies? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, you had to read. A lot of the ones that you do find are like paragraph ads. 
<laughs> it's hard to even imagine today's audience stopping long yeah, enough to read a paragraph advertisement, it. right? Now we're ready for the moment we've all been waiting for. The main event. Round one. I think you're really going to like this, Jason. This is a story about Abraham Lincoln told by one of his close friends. Kind of a popular president, you're right. Yeah, and... Kentucky doesn't have very, that many presidents. So, <laughs> no. so Do we have another one? Zachary Taylor. Oh, yeah. Zach, old Hickory. Old Hickory <laughs> stick. Right. They shortened it. <laughs> that was... Uh, yeah, Lincoln. Of Jackson. course, Lincoln's the best. Every list, he's the best. Am I wrong? Uh, he what is list? in the top two in every list. Sometimes George Washington Sometimes beats him. Sometimes George Washington. Yeah. Okay. So they, they kind of... They're neck and neck. They're at the top. But of, what, of what are considered great presidents. And yeah. then, then it gets more debatable at the near great presidents and all that. But Washington, you know, he was a general. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> like, he would have done that anyway. Uh, like, yeah, I guess so. You know so. what I mean? Like, he had, a different, he had different problems to deal with, let's say, than certainly Lincoln. Oh, right. We were mad at the English back yeah. in George Washington's day. Right, yeah. And so that kind of kept us together. Lincoln definitely had a different set of circumstances. Let's reminisce. Let's reminisce. So this is his friend Joshua Speed. Going to tell us a little story about Lincoln. The spring of 1835 found me a merchant in the then village of Springfield. And this is pretty cool. Speed was also born in Kentucky, also moved to Illinois. So right then, Illinois is becoming the West. With 1,200 inhabitants, now a great city of 20,000 inhabitants. Then the population was sparse, the settlements being near the timber around the prairie, no one dreaming that those vast prairies would ever be entered, but that they would be held by the government and used perpetually as grazing fields for their stock. They had no roads across them, save those made by the movers, then coming from the states south and east, principally Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, and New York. These came with long trains of wagons covered with white sheets, filled with women and children, beds, bedding, light furniture, all bound westward. The movers were of all grades and classes of society, from cultivated ladies and gentlemen with ample means, to the poor man who owns not more than his clothes, and who chopped wood and did work in the camp, and drove the oxen as compensation for the privilege of moving with the train. Now, as I saw the state a few days ago, long line of railroad trains having taken the place of wagon trains, the iron rail has taken the place of the wagon rut, and the steam engine has usurped the place of the ox team. Never shall I forget the grand prairie as I first saw it in the fall of 1834. Then, covered with grass as high as our wheat, waving in the breeze and resembling the billows of ocean as the shadows of the fleeting clouds passed over it. And it's really interesting that he put it that way. Because I have seen that with some other people, too. Uh-huh. Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, other, other authors and writers, comparing the middle of the country to an ocean. Yeah. Is In, this about Lincoln at some point? It or? is about Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> As luck might have it. In the spring of 1836, I first saw Abraham Lincoln. He had been a laborer, a flat boatsman, a deputy surveyor, and for one term a member of the legislature. I heard him spoken of by those who knew him as a wonderful character. They boasted that he could out-wrestle any man in the county, and I bet he really could because he was 6'4". Yeah. 
And I'm he sure he was strong, split wiry. wood all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, sure he you wouldn't want to wrestle that guy. I think we talked about before about how he'd wrestle people. <laughs> and that he could beat any lawyer in Springfield speaking. In 1836, he was a candidate for re-election, and I believe I heard the first speech he ever made at the county seat. At that time, there were but two parties, Whig and Democrat. Lincoln was a Whig, so that's before the Republican Party. The Republican Party was, was really new to the scene in the 1850s. Lincoln was a Whig and a leading man upon the ticket. I was then fresh from Kentucky and have heard many of her great orators, it seems to me then, as it seems to me now, that I never heard a more effective speaker. He carried the crowd with him and swayed them as he pleased. So deep an impression did he make that George Forker, a man of much celebrity as a sarcastic speaker and a great state reputation as an orator, rose and asked the people to hear him. So this guy mm-hmm. is going to come along and try to put Lincoln in his place. He commenced his speech by saying that this young man, that's Lincoln, would have to be taken down, and he was sorry that the task devolved upon him. He made what was called one of his slasher gaff speeches. That sounds cool. I like the sound of that. Slasher gaff. Slasher gaff speeches, dealing much in ridicule and sarcasm. And this next scene to me is pretty epic. Lincoln stood near him with his arms folded, never interrupting him. And do you ever watch things about body language? Oh, sure. You look really nervous right now. And they, <laughs> <they're> right. <laughs> you look a little too relaxed right now. No, so, uh, sometimes it's best to just say nothing and let the fool do the work for you. Maybe that's what Lincoln's doing. Yeah, it's kind of like a rope-a-dope, right? Yeah. When Forker was done, Lincoln walked to the stand and replied so fully and completely that his friends bore him from the courthouse on their shoulders. Okay. So he's jumping ahead. He did so well in response. They picked him up and carried him away. So deep an impression did this first speech make upon me that I remember its conclusion now. So he's going to talk about this Forker guy. All right. Said he, the gentleman commenced his speech by saying that this young man will have to be taken down and that he was sorry that the text uh, devolved upon him. I am not so young in years as I am in the tricks and trades of a politician, but live long or die young, I would rather die now than, like the gentleman, change my politics, receive an office worth $3,000 per year, and then have to erect a lightning rod over my house to protect a guilty conscience from an offended God. So that's the, the smackdown part. And then there's the backstory, which is pretty cool. To understand the point of this, Forker had been a Whig but changed his politics and had been appointed Register of the Land Office and over his house was the only lightning rod in the town or county. Lincoln had seen it for the first time the day before. Not understanding its properties, he made it a study by aid of a book bought for that purpose till he knew all about it. Now that's just exactly like Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, he didn't know what He's a lightning curious. rod was. He's going to go figure it out. So he got it figured out, Yeah, uh, learned what it was, and yeah. so then it came to him to turn that around on this guy. But he's got so much of that over his lifetime, too. That's part of why I think he was such a quick but congenial speaker. Yeah, this vast piles of information and experience he could just pull up in that moment. Right, and we've talked about this also. He could cut with 
his tongue, but then he could do it in such a way yeah. that it sounds like a joke. Yeah. And he gets away with it. So charming. Yeah. That's so likable. And, and then it's funny. Yeah. And then once it's funny, then yeah. the guy's a joke. Right. Yeah. The same quality of mind that made him look into and understand the use and properties of that lightning rod made him study and understand all he saw. No matter how ridiculous his ignorance upon any subject might make him appear, he was never ashamed to acknowledge it, but he immediately addressed himself to the task of being ignorant no longer. It was in his nature to be curious without shame like that. And and so Joshua Speed actually then says that's really the secret to his whole success, that any situation he could do that same sort of thing so I thought you would like that little story. Oh, yeah. It tells us a lot about Lincoln, kind of the inside baseball of Lincoln. That's a pretty good put down. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy's got the only lightning rod, and you're saying, like, look, he's guilt- he feels guilty. And so he's trying not to be smited. That lightning's coming down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pay a few bills then at this point. And this segment of our program is brought to you by P.U. Major, attorney at law. In Frankfort, Kentucky, office on St. Clair Street near the courthouse, which is good for a lawyer, right? P.U. Major. Who will practice in the Court of Appeals, federal court, and all other courts held in Frankfort. And remember, if your legal situation stinks, hire P.U. Major, attorney at law. That's in the ad? No, no you no, made I that up. That last okay. Part. I'm looking for it. But the guy, <laughs> I don't trust all your I don't trust all your things. They look old. <laughs> I think you got an app that makes your jokes look like old newspapers. Oh, yeah. I just secretly sit there at night and type them all <laughs> That'd up. That would be funny. Then, yeah. Right. Why would he do that? What's wrong with his first name that he went by that? Now, all these guys did that. But they then. did that then. Yeah, so, they did. Right below him, we see an ad for S.D. Morris. Yeah, they just put their – they like to do that. Yeah. Had little it, abbreviations like William. Those are everywhere. People sign their name like on the WM. WM. Yeah. Just right, William. But that's the thing that's just gone. <laughs> and uh, C-H-A-S. Oh, yeah, for Charles? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, I get it. It's, it's shorter, but... It's just too taxing to write your yeah, full name li- on every little thing. Yeah. P-U major. <laughs> well, uh, this is backtracking, but what is a wig exactly? Oh, the wigs. Democratic sound is clear. Okay, you see the root word in there. Republican, see that root word. Where the heck did they come up with just wig? They borrowed it from England. So the deal was in England, the Tories liked the king and the Whigs didn't like the king. And it was actually, they were going to make fun of Andrew Jackson with that. So it was basically a whole party built around hating one guy. And so they, they said that he was King Andrew the first, and we don't like him because he's trying to be a dictator. And so we're the Whigs. We're the good guys who don't like that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, so that's they borrowed it, and so that's why it doesn't sound like anything. It does that, say, even the word, though, where did they come up with that? Is that, um, that based on some just from English person somewhere? Yeah, the, the, the English had a wig. You know, they, they had the wigs over there. Kind of weird, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's where it came from. Let me ask you another Lincoln thing real quick right. that I came across. I was telling you I was reading about Colonel Tom Thumb. Okay. That's a whole other story. But in so doing, uh, when I was looking at Lincoln – I saw a little note that I never really caught up on, but when he ran the second time, it wasn't as a Republican. He was a Republican, but wasn't there a little thing where they tried to scoop in other people and change their name? What, what's the deal on that? Yeah, they the basically they were going. Yeah, they were going for like a union thing, which was okay. which was a unity play to try to get any Democrats that haven't jumped ship for the South. 
And so, you know, he didn't really, he didn't want it to be partisan. In some ways, I, I don't know if it was just like a political stunt or if they really meant it. It felt like a stunt, you know, I, to I do, like so. you said, scoop up other people. But now the big thing that came out of that was that Andrew Johnson ran to, uh, wound up being his vice president. Right. Johnson was a Democrat. Oh, sure, yeah. So then when Lincoln died, then that really became a big problem with, with Johnson and different viewpoints and oh, all just, the rest of it. Yeah, the Reconstruction and all of it. And uh, we do have our bonus material still. Let's hit the road. Matthew Spurge, the Governor's Coordinated Committee for Traffic Safety. Authentic tests have shown that the tires of an automobile relax their grip on wet and icy pavement, even at low speeds. The best way to prevent motor vehicle accidents due to skidding is to compensate for adverse road conditions before vehicle control is lost. Once again, Jason, I cannot believe that the taxpayer is paying to tell everybody that wet roads are slick. That's, uh, I thought they were going to tell us, like, what is the best way to compensate? What does that mean? Does it mean slowing down? What does it mean? Oh, I guess they assumed. They never really said... What to, that is the worst excuse for a public service announcement yeah. that I <laughs> Maybe they had to just they had some money that they had to throw somewhere. Boy, they yeah. spent money on the cartoonist. This From dude's a mile away. Head is completely turned around backwards. He's looking at the puddles behind him. <laughs> Keep your eyes ahead of the automobile. Yeah. It's not uh, not behind the automobile where the puddles were. That technology needs to be worked on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't we not slide like off the it. road? Yeah. Maybe uh, spikes. Or, uh, or spikes. Treads. Tank no one treads. Ever, <laughs> no one ever tries spikes. Do it like cleats on, uh, yeah, on your cleats, shoes, right? Yeah, cleats. Just a little tiny cleat. Mm-hmm. We have now turned to the final page of this chapter, but the book is still open. You can download even more episodes on iTunes or the NPR One app. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rate us. We've actually had some responses on that, so let's get a few more of those. We did. We got a few more stars. Yeah. If you did not like what you heard, you probably hit that X button long, long ago. Special thanks to WKMS, our producer Todd Birdsong, the Paducah School of Art and Design, most especially West Kentucky Community and Technical College, and the rest is history. History.